What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you with another solo video today. Uh, I'm discussing some of the biggest news that has occurred with the post-training camp cutdowns and some of the other uh, transactions that have occurred in the league. But before we get into that, I just wanted to tell you guys, thank you so much for the birthday wishes in the comments section. Thanks for the support on the uh, sleepers video that I posted on Friday. We're up around 18K views and we've gained about 400 subscribers since that video. So to anyone who's new, thanks for sticking. Uh, thanks for the support. Thanks for sticking around to those of you who have been here already. And I promise you, we are going to be coming at you with, uh, as Danny would say, the quality content um, going into the season. So um, before we get into this, we're going to hit the intro and then I'll see you guys on the other side. So the news cycle kind of uh, started with the Adrian Peterson news that I discussed in the sleepers video. So I'll just quickly recap what happened. So basically on uh, the Washington football team, they released Adrian Peterson and I gave my thoughts already on this situation. If you want to check out the must on sleepers video, as I mentioned, uh, the support was just out of this world for that video. In a nutshell, uh, Antonio Gibson's the dude uh, from this, from this backfield that you want for fantasy uh, by all reports. He's the guy that the, the front office and the coaching staff is very high on. I'm very interested in Antonio Gibson. I, I broke down his, his profile, but basically he's a freak athlete. He's, he's everything you want in a feature back. So sixth, seventh round area, as I mentioned in that video, is probably where I'm targeting him. If I have a draft today, as I record, this is Monday, uh, Labor Day. This is generally the day that most people do their drafts. Any earlier than that, though, if he starts going in the fourth, fifth round in your drafts, do not pick him there. I, I, I think he does carry significant risk, and you want him to be a bench player for you. You do not want to have to rely on him as a starting running back. So I would probably not pick him unless I have, until I have two solid running backs, maybe in the first two rounds, you get your two main guys and then you go receiver heavy after that. In the sixth round, you get there and you're like, Hey, I want some upside for my bench. I'll go Antonio Gibson. And I would probably still pick like a guy like JK Dobbins over Antonio Gibson, just because of the offense that JK Dobbins is in. I think his upside is much more, uh, much more plentiful based on the Ravens offense and how much they run and how good JK Dobbins is as well. So uh, as far as the rest of the backfield, Bryce Love is probably worth a dart throw as well. I probably wouldn't pick him until like the 12th, 13th round though, because I do expect it to be Antonio Gibson's job. And uh, Gibson's definitely emerging though as, a, as the hot name. Uh, there's usually one every year. That Gibson's the hot name as we close out um, draft season, fantasy draft season. And we get into, I guess this is Monday. This is officially week one. I, I could not be more excited for football to happen. I'm sure you guys feel the same way. So Subsequently, after the Adrian Peterson release, Adrian Peterson decided to ruin another rookie running back. After uh, rising the tides of one rookie running back, he ruins the other one. And that's, uh, he signs a one-year, $1.1 million deal with the Lions. And this effectively takes uh, DeAndre Swift off my board. If you haven't drafted yet, I, I would not draft DeAndre Swift, like straight up. I think it, the reason is for two reasons. So one, it means he's probably still not fully healthy. I don't think uh, they would have signed Adrian Peterson if DeAndre Swift was fully healthy because I think they believe in DeAndre Swift to be like a, a feature back and all that stuff. So to me, this is an insurance move because DeAndre Swift isn't healthy. Second, when he is fully healthy, um, it makes a big time breakout league winner type um, season from DeAndre Swift far less likely because the reason for that is when on Johnson was the only other running back in the backfield, there was a scenario where one, DeAndre Swift would just beat out Carrion Johnson, which I think was already happening in camp. But two, Carrion Johnson's made a fucking glass. He can't stay healthy. And 
DeAndre Swift might have been the only guy in that backfield by week like eight or whatever and could have been like a league winner at the back half of the season. That's not the case with Adrian Peterson. He might be old, but this dude's durable as hell. He's not going to go down like Carry uh, on Johnson has over the couple seasons we've seen of Carry on Johnson. So I have a feeling Adrian Peterson's here to stay. And unfortunately for fantasy owners, like Matt Patricia is going to screw with us once again. And I don't think uh, DeAndre Swift is going to be um, a guy that you can confidently start week in and week out until the back half of the season. I think you're probably going to be frustrated owning him the first eight weeks or so of the season. So uh, I, I'm going to steer clear in drafts if I haven't drafted yet, which in one league I haven't yet. I'm, I'm drafting tomorrow. And then I'd probably try and trade for him midseason when I'm kind of expecting that breakout to happen. I would expect, and I saw someone tweet this, I think he's going to be this year's Miles Sanders. I think what Miles Sanders did last year, I drafted Miles Sanders in like the sixth round of one of my leagues. And it was frustrating owning him because I had no idea when to start him. But by week like eight or whatever, when Jordan Howard went down, then I could start him and I knew um, when I could put him into my lineup. But the problem with that is, I spent a six round pick on the dude and he really hurt me for the first couple of weeks of the season because I, I never put him in my lineup because I never felt comfortable doing so. And uh, I regretted that draft pick. So there's a good chance whoever drafts Swift in your league is probably not going to be the one who keeps him for, for that breakout. So I would, again, probably steer clear of him in drafts and then mid season, go, go out and try and trade for him. If you can, if you have him right now, if you already drafted and Deandre Swift is on your team, I would probably sell him if I can but again, don't sell him for nothing. Like don't sell him for pennies on the dollar. If you can get Antonio Gibson for him, I would do that straight up. Like I honestly, like if you could trade DeAndre Swift straight up for Antonio Gibson, I would do that in a heartbeat. But otherwise I would probably just hold DeAndre Swift for now and, and don't sell him for pennies. Cause there is a chance I'm wrong. And we, he, we comes out, he comes out week one and he's, he's healthy and he's, he's the feature back and Adrian Peterson's just a role player there. But I'm, I'm willing to expect, I, I'm expecting that that's not the most likely scenario as we've seen with Matt Patricia before. He doesn't really care about our fantasy teams. So on to the next piece of news, um, Reichwell Armstead uh, was pay, uh, placed on the COVID uh, reserve list or whatever. And this, this um, backfield is, is looking really, really muddy. James Robinson, who's uh, I believe an undrafted free agent and Divina Zigbo, who is also an undrafted free agent from last year, who I was very high on actually coming into the, Coming into the 2019 draft, I had like a third round grade on Devon Zigbo, but this backfield to me is going to be a committee based on everything that they're talking about. They're, they're talking about how Armstead's going to mix in. Thompson's going to be on passing downs. Um, split carries between James Robinson and Devon Zigbo. Like this sounds like a committee, like full blown. No, I wouldn't, I don't want to really own anyone from this backfield, to be honest. And that includes Chris Thompson, because even though we think that Chris Thompson's role is secure, we think it's like, oh, he's going to be the third down back and whatnot. We don't really know if he's going to be used in that way. Yes, uh, Jay Gruden is there, and that's how they used him in Washington. But there's a lot of moving parts in this backfield. The three, like the three guys, uh, Armstead, uh, Azigbo, and Robinson. Like who, who knows? Maybe they use one of those guys on third down. Like we have no idea. So drafting Chris Thompson as high as I've seen him go, and I've seen him go pretty high, like tenth, eleventh round. I would not be taking him there. My 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 inclination is that you shouldn't take a dart throw on this backfield because I don't think there's going to be a clear starter at any point in the season. I think it's going to be a committee the whole time. It's also a fucking terrible offense. They're not going to have a lot of scoring opportunities. My advice is if you're going to take a dart throw on a, on a backfield, take one on a better backfield. So if you're going to take a guy like Devon Zigbo at the end of your draft, probably just take Jarek McKinnon, like, cause it's a way better offense, a way better backfield. But again, if you have to pick, if you like, if there's no one else on the board and you want to pick someone, um, I would say a Zigbo is the guy to go after, in my opinion, and probably Thompson may be worth a late round dart throw. But again, like I said, you're better off throwing a dart at a better backfield. And if you have Armstead on your roster, like I picked him up as soon as um, Leonard Fournette was uh, released, 
Uh, I would probably drop him. I think with the COVID news, they said he's basically behind and he's going to serve as a backup behind the undrafted free agents, which is probably not great news considering he was a draft pick. He was a a fourth round pick in 2019, I believe. So uh, off the Jaguars backfield into some starting quarterback news. A lot of teams announced their starters and whatnot. Some of them we knew, some of them we didn't. Um, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports that Mitchell Trubisky is expected to start week one for the Bears. Um, To me, this is actually kind of big news. I I, I think a lot of people expected Nick Foles to start or get the starting job. Um, I actually expected this to happen. I think um, the the front office and the coaching staff wants Mitch Trubisky to succeed. Ryan Pace, who's the GM there, drafted Mitch Trubisky, and he wants to look like a, a smart person for drafting him over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, which has been discussed on numerous occasions. But I think Mitch Trubisky starting is actually a good thing for Allen Robinson. I know a lot of people um, thought that Nick Foles was like some huge upgrade for Allen Robinson, but I was never really one of those people. I thought quarterback continuity is underrated for fantasy. So having seen Trubisky already heavily targeted Allen Robinson last year, I think it's a good thing that Trubisky is starting the season. And to me, this also confirms something that I pretty much already believed anyways, but I didn't think Nick Foles was that much of an upgrade. I thought he was basically the same if it may be a little bit better than Mitch Trubisky, but the fact that he wasn't able to beat him out in camp means that he isn't that much better than Mitch Trubisky because they clearly brought in competition for him and he wasn't able to succeed. And again, I was never one of those people who bought into the, this is the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever had in his career narrative, because I think he's kind of trash too. Anytime he's been outside of Philly, outside the the 2013 season that he had and the 2017 season where he had the best O-line in the league and great weapons and a great run game. Nick Foles hasn't been very good. Like when he was been, when he was in Kansas city, when he was in St. Louis, all these places he's been, he hasn't been a a good quarterback. And uh, I, I just like, I, I, this, this actually does uh, make me feel better about Allen Robinson though. Uh, Like legitimately him having Mitch Trubisky as the starting quarterback. Cause I did have some, some concessions with Allen Robinson. A lot of people just pretended he was like this, safe locked and loaded starter but even though we've never really seen it from Allen Robinson outside of that 2014 season he wasn't very good in 2018 much to people's um chagrin but on to the next uh piece of quarterback news um again this one was kind of expected but Cam Newton was officially named the starter of the Patriots and again I'm really not even going to talk about it because we all kind of expected this to happen this is the other big one that happened was uh just this morning I believe uh Ryan Fitzpatrick was named the the starting quarterback for the Dolphins Again, somewhat expected, but um, Fitzpatrick is, is actually quite interesting to me because I think this is really good news for Devontae Parker uh, and Mike Kosicki specifically, who basically we saw uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick be willing to heavily utilize those guys. And if two had come in, we don't know if he'd favored like uh, Preston Williams, who supposedly is, ba- is expected to be back for week one. But uh, to me, Preston Williams does see a downgrade and not because he did anything wrong, just because I think Devontae Parker is safer now. And the big thing for Preston Williams was the splits with uh, fucking um, Devontae Parker while he was in the lineup. But the, we saw that Fitz heavily favored um, Devontae Parker in those splits. If you take uh, the ones with Rosen and the ones with Fitzpatrick, it did lean towards Parker with Fitzpatrick. So obviously those guys have the better connection. And again, same with Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki was much better with um, Fitzpatrick than he was with Josh Rosen. So I do think uh, those two guys benefit the most from that. Um, Fitz himself, I like for fantasy, like I know some people have touted him as like this great streamer or whatever, but he's got a rough schedule to start the season. He plays on uh, new England, Buffalo, Seattle, San Fran, Denver, and Los Angeles, uh, chargers and Rams actually seven of the first eight games of the season, though his only good matchup is Jacksonville week three. So honestly, like it might be two a time after that stretch of games because Fitzpatrick is probably going to struggle against like, those are all good defenses. Some of them are elite defenses. So I I'm, I'm not really willing to 
use Ryan Fitzpatrick in anything other than like a DFS lineup in week three, to be honest. And then um, another quarterback news uh, item that came out was the Texans re-signed Deshaun Watson. So if he wasn't already, he's a locked in uh, top five dynasty quarterback in any like format. Uh, if he wasn't already there, as I mentioned, so Watson secured in uh, Houston, another piece of quarterback news while we're on the subject is uh, Josh Rosen was actually waived by the dolphins and picked up by the Tampa Bay bucks. I I'm a Tampa Bay bucks fan. I actually really like this move um, because I was a big fan of Rosen coming out of school, a big miss on my part, obviously. And it at least gives us some sort of succession plan. We don't have Blaine Gabbert starting behind um, uh, Tom Brady. And Josh Rosen isn't like automatically the number two quarterback. I think he's probably the number three quarterback uh, on the roster. But um, uh, in, a, in dynasty leagues, if you have Josh Rosen, I would say try and sell him because I think a lot of people are going to buy into the narrative that, oh, Josh Rosen's learning under Tom Brady. He's going to get the best like, uh, advice he could possibly get. And this is the best situation he's ever been in, which is all true. But Josh Rosen, like we've already kind of seen, like he's not very good. So I don't think there's this, like, it, it's probably like a, a small percentage chance that he learns under Tom Brady and eventually takes over the Tampa Bay Bucks starting quarterback job. But I, I really think that's a very, very minimal chance of happening. And if you can potentially squeeze like a third round pick out of someone who believes in that and thinks it's much more likely to happen than not, I would probably do that because I don't think Josh Rosen has very much dynasty value at this point in his career. I think everyone's kind of realized this dude's kind of a bust. So um, on to the next piece of news, Lamar Miller was released from the New England Patriots and a very muddy backfield gets a little bit clearer with this release, but this is a running back by committee through and through. Michelle Harris, Burkhead, and James White, it's a full-blown RBBC. Um, my advice is to avoid this backfield like the plague, honestly. Like, I wouldn't take a shot on Harris. I wouldn't take a shot on Michelle. I wouldn't take a shot on Burkhead. The only guy I'm actually willing to take is James White because I think he has a clear, uh, clear pass-catching role in the offense. But even still, I think Burkhead is going to be used as a pass-catcher, as he always has been um, in his time in New England. So, yeah, the, the Patriots' backfield, I just wouldn't – it's not one that I'm willing to invest in. I don't think it's going to be very good. Uh, DeAndre Washington, uh, this is kind of big news, actually, for my uh, fantasy team specifically, because I do have a lot of CEH shares, but DeAndre Washington was released from the, the Kansas City Chiefs, and to me, this just means wheels up for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like, uh, Washington, to me, was the biggest threat in terms of passing game usage of the backups that they have there between Darrell Williams, Darwin Thompson, and DeAndre Washington. So to me, CEH is locked and loaded top six or six to eight pick for me, and I, I don't really have any concessions of taking him there. So a uh, bit of kicker news. Uh, Rodrigo, Rodrigo Blankenship, the hot rod, actually beat out, uh, I believe it was Chase McLaughlin or whoever the other kicker was for the Colts. So it's it's fucking hot rod season in Indy. Uh, the world's a better place when, when Rodrigo's kicking under the bright lights. So good for him for winning a starting job. All right, on to the 49ers. Debo Samuel was activated off the uh, NFI list with the foot injury that he sustained in June. And to me, this is good news, obviously, but Debo still remains a fade for me. If you, if you haven't had your draft yet, I probably wouldn't be picking Debo Samuel very high. I've, I've seen all the injury docs talk about this, and, and they're basically saying he's a high-risk player, and he's probably going to get off to a slow start. So again, much like DeAndre Swift, I think he's more so a guy that you don't draft and trade for once he's back healthy, and we know he can play. But um, maybe even you have to buy high on like a big week that he has, but to me, I'm not, I'm not drafting Debo Samuel. I do think there's, you don't want to be buying into injury optimism, as I've mentioned before. So uh, next up on the list, we have uh, more of a dynasty tidbit, but Keenan Allen gets extended to a four-year extension. Um, and as a receiver for like Keenan Allen's age, he's, I believe he's like 28 or 29. 
Uh, the contract is reassuring for dynasty purposes. If you have like a startup coming up or whatever, um, you could feel comfortable taking Keenan Allen, knowing that he's uh, locked into uh, a long-term deal with the Chargers. Um, this one was kind of like a weird like trade that happened, but Lynn Bowden was actually traded um, from the Raiders to the Dolphins uh, in exchange for like a sixth round pick or some shit. But uh, we think this is good news for Josh Jacobs, pass catching upside. But then they go out and work out uh, Dario Gubawale. So who the hell knows what they're thinking about Josh Jacobs. Um, from the Miami side, they actually announced him as a receiver in the trade instead of a running back, which the Raiders have been announcing him as. So I would say he's likely a slot receiver when he comes in. And this actually probably dings Mike Kosicki a little bit because with Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns opting out a couple months ago, it seemed like Mike Kosicki was going to have a primary slot role as the move tight end that they used him as last year. But uh, with Lynn Bowden coming in, they probably limit some of his slot shares. I, I still think he's going to be fine, but because Lynn Bowden couldn't even make the roster of a team that fucking uh, drafted him in the third round. So I don't think it really affects him too much, but it is worth noting. Um, another injury worth noting is Lyle Collins, the right tackle for the Cowboys, one of the best right tackles in the league, um, is placed on injury reserve with a hip injury. So this this dings the offense in general as, as a whole just because, I mean, you lose a starting offensive lineman on any team, it's going to ding your offense. But especially Lyle Collins, who is one of the better right tackles in the league, um, it does hurt Zeke and, and Dak and all those other guys. But the Cowboys do have solid offensive line depth, so they should be okay for however long that Collins is out. Um, this is a big one. This next uh, piece of information, uh, Cecil uh, Lammy, I believe is like a beat reporter for the Broncos. Uh, and I've heard uh, Vic Fangio echo this as well. Basically they're touting this, this backfield as a split and potentially even a hot hand approach between uh, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. And we always say in fantasy, follow the money, follow the money. The money went to Melvin Gordon and Melvin Gordon was the primary guy that I thought would be coming in for Pat Shermer and the, and the um, Broncos offense this season. But Philip Lindsay is doing Philip Lindsay things and he's making it hard to bet against him as usual. Um, I've pivoted on Melvin a little initially when, when he was first signed and in, in during like June, July and stuff before training camp has started, he was my RB 14 and I was really comfortable getting Melvin Gordon in the third round as my second or third running back. And I saw a great deal of upside as well because of the pass catching ability that Melvin Gordon has and the goal line ability that he has as well. But pesky little Philip Lindsay and he's slowly inching his way closer to where I, I don't see how you can draft Melvin Gordon as a top 18 running back anymore. I think he's relegated to a fourth, fifth round pick. And even then I'm still a little nervous of drafting him because Philip Lindsay, for whatever reason, just won't go away. And I, not that I thought he would go away, but I did think Melvin Gordon would primarily like carry the load in this backfield. And that's not how it's looking at this point. So uh, another piece of running back injury news, uh, Rashad Penny, this is a really expected move in my opinion, but he was placed on the pup list. So that'll, that means uh, he will start the first six. Uh, he can't play the first six games. And at week seven, they can choose to reactivate him or put him on IR or whatever. Uh, so I would expect Chris Carson, at least for this first six games, to be a feature back to start the year. But I, I probably wouldn't get your hopes up about Chris Carson starting full 16 games and being some league winner. I think it's a week-to-week thing with Chris Carson. That's why I'm not really comfortable drafting him where he's going. He's like a third, fourth round pick. I'd be much more comfortable getting him in the fifth, sixth round because I do think he's kind of like a week-to-week player where – if he plays, he's going to be good, but he's going to be on the injury report like probably every week because he's Chris Carson. And uh, he's also he's also just prone to get injured and, and miss the season entirely. So my hope for this offense, to be honest, is that the running back struggled to, to uh, play well or potentially get injured so that they can finally let Russ cook and let the receivers cook. So we'll see how it shakes out in Seattle. I do expect them to still be like the run-heavy offense that they've always been because they didn't experience any like coaching changes or anything. 
Um, so we can expect to see the same kind of philosophy that they've had the last couple of years. Um, on to some Eagles receiver injury news, which is very common this time of year. Um, some good news for rookie receiver Jalen Rager. Apparently he's not expected to be put on the IR, which some people might have expected. I didn't think he was going to be put on the IR, but um, as well as uh, Alshon Jeffrey is on the pup list and they expect him to be back week seven, which is when they can first activate him. I don't really buy that. I think Alshon Jeffrey is going to be this year's AJ Green. He doesn't play a single game. But uh, for now, until those guys are back, at least, it's all wheels up for Deshaun Jackson and Zach Ertz. And to me, those guys are looking like must, must, must starts, like in week one for redraft leagues as well as DFS lineups. So keep that in the back of your mind as we get closer to week one, which is, again, like this week, I'm super excited about that, uh, that Ertz and DJAX are going to cook at the start of the season because I think that's what's going to happen. And then one last piece of news. Um, there's nothing official on this yet, so I didn't uh, include it here, but Devontae Freeman is visiting a couple teams right now. Apparently he visited the Jacksonville Jaguars and they didn't reach an agreement. So that's, that's promising for actually, I mean, I don't know if it's promising for anyone because I don't really want anyone from that backfield, but the scary thing for Zach Moss uh, truthers and Devin Singletary owners is that um, he's visiting the bills today. So I, I just hold your breath that he doesn't sign them. If you own Singletary or Moss, I had actually do own Singletary in one league. So um, that's all guys. That's the kind of the, the meat and potatoes of all the news that came out the past couple, uh, days with cut downs and all that stuff. Uh, as, as always guys, make sure you guys like this video. If you received any value from it, comment down below, any thoughts you have, you guys see what happens when you comment on videos. We, we blow up here at the fantasy stock exchange. So keep it up. Keep, uh, keep commenting on videos, subscribe to the channel if you are new and I will see you guys next time.